We have some kind of historical account of this man called Martin Fugit. He was a French orphan. He was a stowaway, came over to the United States, and he eventually settled in kind of a really remote area of the Appalachia on the banks of Troublesome Creek. Mm. And uh, although the genealogies don't show that he was blue, uh, there are some anecdotes that say he was blue, but regardless, he ended up kind of astronomical odds finding a woman that he loved and end up marrying and come to find out that she had this recessive gene uh, that when they started having children, the children, about half of the children came out blue. Hi, everybody. My name is Shauna, and this is the American English Podcast. My goal here is to teach you the English spoken in the United States through common expressions, pronunciation tips, and interesting cultural snippets or stories. I hope to keep this fun, useful, and interesting. Let's do it. Hello, this is episode 118.2. And I'm happy to be back to share an intriguing story about the blue people of Kentucky. The reason why I've chosen this topic for all of you, other than the fact is it's incredibly fascinating, is because it takes place in a region of the United States we have not talked about much, Appalachia. The story also sheds light on scientific research in the U.S. Up until now, I've only done a handful of episodes that touch on medicine and science. There was episode 52, A Bun in the Oven, which told the story of the Octomom, a woman from California who gave birth to eight healthy babies after one session of IVF, so in vitro fertilization. It brought about a discussion and uh, some laws about how many embryos can be implanted at once. Another story was about Henrietta Lacks. That was episode number six, A Taste of Your Own Medicine. Henrietta's cells, also known as HeLa cells, you might have heard about in science class, but her cells were taken from her cervix without her knowing, and they have been used to develop the polio vaccine. They've been used for AIDS research. You can find them in labs around the world. And they were even used to create the COVID vaccines. And I'm talking about one woman's cells. Isn't that crazy? The story is wild. That is episode number six. That brings us to today. The audio you heard in the introduction was taken from a wonderful video about the blue people of Kentucky. Be sure to check out the episode page or the transcript for the link to that video. Let's begin with the story. In the early 19th century, a French orphan named Martin Fugate came to the United States and settled in what is now eastern Kentucky, near Troublesome Creek in Appalachia. The Appalachian Mountains which run from north to south, so from southern Canada to central Alabama, are about 100 to 300 miles wide, depending on where you are on the map. At the time when Martin arrived in central Appalachia, 
not much of that territory had been explored. It was mostly wilderness. There weren't any roads. If you wanted to get where Martin lived, you needed to hike two weeks through rough terrain and up hills. In English, we would say he lived in Timbuktu, which is a playful way to say his home was far, very remote. The nearest town to Troublesome Creek was a small town named Hazard. Martin ended up falling in love with a red-headed American woman named Elizabeth Smith, and eventually the couple decided to have a family. Never in their wildest dreams could they have imagined what would come next. Four out of their seven children were born with blue skin. Various shades of blue, in fact, from a pale stony blue to dark navy, almost purple. They weren't dead. They weren't ill. Quite the contrary. These babies that were born were healthy, happy, and fine. They were just blue babies. They'd even live into their late 80s and 90s. According to the University of Stanford, genetic research and molecular biology came to life in the early 1930s and 40s. And it wasn't until the 50s and 60s that it became a real field of study in the United States. Needless to say, Martin and Elizabeth had no understanding of genes, DNA, and inherited traits. What they knew was that their kids were blue. And that was that. Life went on. As a family, the Blue Fugates were self-reliant. They didn't need a grocery store. They could plant their own food. They didn't need so many other people either. There were a few other families out where they lived. The Smiths, the Combs, the Stacys, the Richies. They could all spend time together. But what happens when you live in an area without access to the outside world, is you're also limited in your choice of partners. After a period of time, your neighbors are your cousins. Your classmates are siblings. So naturally, intermarriage occurs, and then inbreeding. Inbreeding is when two genetically related beings, so animals or humans, mate and reproduce. It turns out the blue skin could be inherited, and soon enough, blue people were all over the Cumberland Plains. A hematologist is someone who studies hematology, the physiology of blood. One hematologist named Madison Cawine, who did research at the University of Kentucky in the late 1950s, heard rumors about an alleged group of blue people near Troublesome Creek. And he decided he wanted to see those people up close to see if he could perhaps find a cure for the blueness. He had done work on antidotes for cholera and early work on a medicine called L-DOPA, which is used for Parkinson's disease. Kawine thought blood was beautiful. He had no problem traveling to where the blues lived. He was so curious. So off he went. It was an eight-hour trip from Lexington, which is now the second largest city in Kentucky. 
he walked all over the rugged hills, searching for people with blue skin. He was an out-of-towner, though, in a time when GPS was unheard of. So his search led him nowhere. It was unsuccessful. One day, while in Hazard, Kawine went to the American Heart Association and met a nurse named Ruth Pendergast. She told him that a while back, on a very chilly day, a woman with dark blue skin walked into her clinic asking for a blood test. Ruth said it scared her to death. Not only was the woman's skin blue, but her fingernails were indigo. Indigo is a color that falls between blue and violet on the color spectrum. It was far from anything she'd seen before. Ruth was sure she was going to die right then and there in her little office. But her concern was not reciprocated. The woman who was in front of her calmly explained that her sister was a fugate and that she and her family lived up near Ball Creek. Ruth noted the location. People in Hazard knew the Fugates. They were relatives of Martin Fugate, and they were often referred to as the Blues. Ruth knew them also. But before the encounter with the woman in her office, she had never seen one. According to an article by Kathy Trost called The Blue People of Troublesome Creek, Ruth was so alarmed by the situation that she ended up calling a number of doctors to see if they could help. Some doctors didn't believe her. Others disregarded the information she'd shared. When Kawine appeared, she was so eager to raise awareness within the medical community that she agreed to work with him. She also agreed to go out into the woods and search for families. Just like before, they had a little bit of a hard time. There were no addresses that they could follow. There was no GPS. So they hiked the hills with their eyes peeled. On occasion, they saw someone. But when they chased after them, the person would disappear over a hill. The search was a letdown. It was fairly disappointing. Then one day, out of the blue, two of the blues came into the clinic. Their names were Patrick and Rachel Ritchie. Kawine described them later on as being bluer than hell. He immediately noted the shame on their faces and their stature. They were bent over. They cowered. They were embarrassed by their color. After giving them a full medical examination and determining that the root of the blue skin was not due to lung disease or heart disease, Kawine asked, Do you have any relatives that are blue? The answer was yes. Patrick and Rachel had blue relatives. Kawine was thrilled and continued asking questions. Patrick and Rachel were open about their family history and allowed him to chart their family tree. Father white, mother white, child blue. Father blue, mother blue, child blue. Whatever condition they had was certainly hereditary. In other words, it could be inherited or passed from parent to child. The question was, what was the condition? 
Kalwine thought it could be a blood disorder called methemoglobinemia. A person with methemoglobinemia has an excess amount of methemoglobin in the blood, which prevents oxygen from being delivered to the tissues of the body. Our blood needs oxygen to be red. Without enough, it'll turn a dark brownish color, like chocolate, and that'll make the skin appear blue from the outside. Methemoglobinemia can be a side effect from chemicals or certain medications, such as antibiotics or anesthesia. You can even get it if you have an excess amount of vitamin K. In very rare circumstances, like the one he was dealing with, it was hereditary. In the case of the blue fugates, it wasn't harmful. They had a percentage of methemoglobin between 10 to 20%. If that percentage were higher, they would have been at risk of seizures or heart failure, but fortunately, that was not the case. The Richies didn't want to be blue. Kawine wanted to help them, and eventually he came across the work of a doctor named E. M. Scott, who worked in Anchorage, Alaska at the Arctic Health Research Center. Scott's research was all about blue Alaskan Eskimos, or Inuits, and Indians. Within the communities up in Alaska, the number of blue-skinned people was extraordinarily high. Out of 13 families, there were 21 cases of people with blue skin, according to his report in the Journal of Clinical Investigation. Scott discovered high levels of methemoglobin in their blood, and it turns out the excess levels were higher in inbred families. Scott was able to conduct an extensive study, and that involved blood sampling from both Indians and Inuits, and he concluded that the trait was recessive. In short, you could carry the gene and not show any signs of a blood disorder, but you could still pass that gene to your child. The blue skin would occur when both parents passed a mutated gene to the child. Two genes, blue skin. That might be what happened with the original Fugates, Martin and Elizabeth. Fortunately, Scott's article suggested that the possible cause for the issue was the lack of an enzyme called diaphorase. Kawine tested the Richies, and just like the Blues of Alaska, they were missing that enzyme. And it didn't take long for him to find a solution. He gave the Richies a dose of methylene blue and watched as their skin turned pink. Methylene blue would transfer an electron that was needed to help the cells get oxygen. One pill a day could keep the doctor away. From that day forth, the Blues of Kentucky could choose if they wanted to be pink or light flesh-colored or blue. So are there still Blues in Kentucky? The short answer is yes. Today, there are still a few known relatives of the Blues in the United States, However, the number has been decreasing ever since 1912. That's when a railroad was built through eastern Kentucky and Hazard and connecting it to the outside world. When the gene pool mixed, 
the blues started to disappear. In 1975, a baby boy named Benjamin Stacy, Benji for short, was born in a Kentucky hospital. The baby boy was blue. Doctors rushed him here and there and ran tests on him for two days straight. Eventually, they decided to do a blood transfusion. It was then that a grandmother mentioned to the doctors, have you ever heard of the blue fugates of Troublesome Creek? Six generations prior to Benji's birth, his great-great-great-great-grandfather, Martin Fugate, settled in Appalachia. Benji was a relative of the blue fugates, but only with one mutated gene. Benjamin's color, according to the reports, disappeared three weeks after his birth. Even though he had flesh-colored skin, when he was cold or overcome with emotion, his lips and nails would turn deep blue. According to Trost, this fascinated medical students so much that they would crowd around him and try and make him cry. That's it for today's episode. It's interesting how many stories will pop up if you search for blue people in English. In the United States, we have the Blue Man Group, which is a popular performance group where the performers are painted blue. We also have a few stories of people who turned themselves blue. Uh, one guy named Paul Carrison tried to cure himself of a skin condition and used so much colloidal silver that he accidentally dyed his whole body blue. I'm curious to know, do you know of any blue people in your country? Blue people genetically blue or blue because they turn themselves blue? I'd love to know about it. Please let me know on Instagram. You can find me at American English Podcast. On the episode webpage, I'll be sure to post a video of Paul Carrison and also an article about the murder of Dr. Cawine's wife, Dr. Cawine of our story today, which is an unsolved mystery in the South. Could it be that the celebrated doctor of today's story poisoned his wife with carbolic acid? Crazy. Hope you're having a nice day, and until next time, bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the American English Podcast. Remember, it's my goal here to not only help you improve your listening comprehension, but to show you how to speak like someone from the States. If you want to receive the full transcript for this episode, or you just want to support this podcast, make sure to sign up to premium content on AmericanEnglishPodcast.com. Thanks and hope to see you soon.